Oh, welcome. Hey, to- everybody. You keep doing it. This is the second time you've done that. Done what? You do the interrupting thing. You know, we do that in our actual intro. No, we're just saying hi. We're saying hi. Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> At the same time. Um, today we had Noah Schreibman on, who's a promoter, booking agent, uh, manager based out of Tallahassee. With uh, He's also the CEO of 42 Recordings. And uh, an he, amateur artist therapist, apparently. Yeah, it's kind of cool listening to his perspective on the job uh, description of you know being a manager and agent, and it was a fresh perspective. I thought a managent. A managent. Yeah, new word. A managentist. Managentist. Yeah. A therapist, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about, um, EDM, the, electronic music, a lot of EDM, the electronic music, stuff. the you know good, as Billy likes to call it. And, uh, we had, uh, he talks a lot about the work that he's been doing on the promotion side. Um, trying to build up Tallahassee back where to its heyday, to its heyday. Yeah. The time of dubstep. <laughs> Skrillex. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I thought it was a really interesting conversation for me. It's such a different dynamic than what I'm used to. And I always love hearing about how the different niches in the industry operate. So yeah. I thought it was a lot of cool perspective. It was a good episode. Yeah, for sure. So if you're in into some uh, great conversation and a lot of great information, uh, this is definitely the episode for you. So tune in. Make sure you check out everything that Noah's got going on. Noah Schreibman, again, is his name. And uh, enjoy the episode. Bottom of the Bill starts now. This is Bottom of the Bill. Where we talk about the modern grind of a musician. Album cycle. Oh, hold on, Bill. Give me a second, man. Because we don't know what we're talking Spotify about. Spotify playlist. You keep interrupting me. That's not how we discussed it. Just give me a second, man. We invite established artists Festival on the show. Festival lineups. Can I just get my stuff out real quick? We invite established artists on to share their strategy to success. Marketing strategies. The premier do-it-yourself podcast. Hashtag DIY. Aw, oh, screw it. This is bottom of the bill. Noah, I always love like doing podcasts with people that we don't really that we've never met before because it's always like interesting. You, get to you never met this guy? No. He seems like a great guy. It seems, no. it seems like we've known each other for a little while. Yeah, you. I know. You just like like I think you messaged me one time, just c- kind of commenting on the podcast or whatever, and then I then I was like, who is this dude? And then like from Tallahassee or something, and I was like. And I looked up who you were, and I was like, "Oh, you got a lot of cool shit going on. Maybe you should come on our podcast." Nice. <laughs> so glad it worked out. Yes. Yeah, so, so I listened to the Paul Levine podcast. I saw it was posted in uh, the Halloween page. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm a really big Halloween fan, and you know, Paul's been a huge inspiration, obviously, oh, yeah. for everything I've been doing. So then, you know. Just to show respect, I was like, oh, yeah, I really enjoyed the podcast because I really did. It was really fun, and I feel like you guys had a good dynamic going. So I reached out, and, yeah, here we are today. Hell, yeah, man. Well, thank you for listening and supporting what we're doing and for coming on and talking about what you got going on. You know, of course. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, man. So um, I, I'm curious. Let's talk about just kind of first uh, the, the company that you're the CEO of, is, uh, 42 Recording. Yes, 42 Recording. So that's an agency 
that I run out of Tallahassee. Um, currently, I have an agent in Gainesville, Florida, and then uh, I'm having another agent join that's in Denver, Colorado. I almost said Florida. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's uh, more of a grassroots agency compared to what you'll see in a lot of EDM. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what I'm passionate about and what I've been working on pretty hard for the past, I would say, year and a half now. Um, and I've learned a lot along the way. You know, everything's been a, a learning experience. Um, but, yeah, I can expand more on how it started if, you, if you'd want to hear that. Totally, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, I you know, went to school here in Tallahassee and started going to uh, local EDM shows. Um, that led to me really getting into like more of that heavy EDM, which then led me to Bonnaroo 2018. Uh, I decided to volunteer uh, for my first festival ever. That's a, that's a hard said. one to get into. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I said, let me go to a farm in, in Tennessee uh, for seven days because I'll be fine. Um, by day five, I was like on the phone with my mom. I was like, you got to get me out of this place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know what these people are like. Yeah. And, but when I thought about the financials of paying for it, I was like, you know what? Two more days won't be too bad. So because they do that, ended up, they like uh, they take they take money from you first and they give it back to you, right? So you don't just like steal yeah. a ticket. I volunteered a couple of times at Swanee. That's how they they get you. That's smart. No, yeah, it's very smart. Because otherwise, like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna volunteer. Okay, come find me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, so, you stuck it out. <laughs> so yeah, I did uh, clean vibes. Uh, if you know Clean Vibes, uh, they do recycling and composting at festivals around the country. It's a really awesome program. Um, so I did that. I got back. Uh, wanted to do more festivals, obviously. Found myself at Huluween 2018. Um, and had like the time of my life, never felt so inspired. Uh, just couldn't even believe my eyes. Mostly saw Tipper, my favorite artist for the first time. And uh, yeah, it kinda, I don't know, it woke something in me that was like, uh, I was studying environmental policy. Um, and I was just like, I don't really know if I, if I wanna do anything in this realm anymore. Something about music and festivals really was sticking out. So it was within 2019 that I met my friend Jonathan, who was producing under the moniker Sufed. Um, and we met and I had been DJing at the time and I was always interested in possibly producing music. Um, and, you know, we became close at one point, I was like, hey, could I ever come over and learn how to produce? So one time I was heading back home from Boynton Beach to Tallahassee. I stopped there and went over his place and, and started playing around in Ableton um, and realized that I did not want to do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not be a DJ or producer? Yeah, like, I mean, DJing is 
is not that bad. But when I started like really looking at the process of producing an Ableton, um, I obviously still am drawn to like opening it up, but I've just got way too much going on to like spend like three hours on a loop that is not getting any better because <laughs> I don't know any music theory. Um, so it was about maybe half a year later that uh, I spoke to him about wanting to manage him um, and his project, which was quite ignorant, to be honest, at the time, <laughs> yeah. because it was kind of that typical like friend wanting to manage a friend just because. Um, but I'm glad I did, because from there, um, I learned so much and, you know, I'm really grateful to Jonathan for allowing me to create the project, which is uh, known as Collective Unconscious. Uh, we got to build it together and it was a huge learning experience on how a project starts. Um, and then from there, uh, we started getting, you know, him. This was during COVID, right? So we started getting, you know, virtual EDM festival gigs um, we had to work with visual artists, which was a whole new thing. Um, and as we kind of left COVID, that's when, um, at Resonate, was it 2021, I would say? Resonate, that's that yeah, festival it, in, uh, Charleston, right? Or, no, no, that was... Yeah, no, it was in Swanee. So Resonance oh, sorry, is in yeah. Charleston. Yeah. They're both by Essential Productions. Um, but then they do Resonate, which is a smaller version of it in Swanee. Yeah, I'm sure that's not um, confusing at all in the emails. and Yeah, <laughs> right. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, and literally when you said that, I was like, wait. Yeah, right. Did I say the wrong one? No, I know. Did I say <laughs> <laughs> Did I say the wrong one? Oh. Um, but yeah, it was there that I met the second artist I started representing, uh, Arcturus, who is out of Arizona. Um, and oh. from there, I started learning how to kind of handle a bigger artist um, and kind of seeing, you know, the dynamics of the industry at even like a bigger level than the artists I had, which within EDM, it's pretty, uh, I wouldn't say clicky, but I would say, you know, who you know matters in, in electronic music big time. It matters in every genre of music, I would say. But I, I guess I, I'm under the opinion that in certain areas with bands, you know, quality, like, people booking bands are looking for quality and with EDM, it's more about hype and what name will sell the most tickets. Totally. Uh, so I started representing Arcturus and then I would say it was about four months after that, that a friend in Tallahassee, who's also a producer, he goes by language. Um, we had always talked about working together uh, but nothing seemed to really line up. And he told me to reach out to his agency, Sounds Organic, um, which is in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm skipping places. I don't know. Um, 
And I spoke with uh, Phil Policelli, who runs Sounds Organic in Rhode Island. And I guess my, my main question to him was, I find myself struggling right now with being an agent for these artists. Uh, and I kind of understand the dynamics of what I'm lacking, you know, in many areas, whether it be my own personal faults uh, and also like the faults of just having smaller names in general. And I said, I want to take on more artists. I don't want to overload myself with so many artists that I'm drowning in work. But I also have the feeling that having bigger artists and more artists will increase the network that I have within this industry. So that, you know, for Jonathan, who's a smaller artist, you know, people might see the email and just, okay, you know, I've, I've been in positions where I have emails just come in and I, I want to read them all, but there are a ton coming in. Uh, so, you know, I kind of understood that dynamic on the other end that if you don't know a name, uh, you know, why would you want to book it? You know, that's a basic sentiment. Uh, so, you know, I spoke with Phil and he mentioned to me that, hey, you know, like I, I think that your answer is yes. You probably should look into taking on more artists if you can. Definitely find your time management within that. Um, and also, would you be, you know, willing to join Sounds Organic as well? I have a few artists that I would love to have you represent. He was planning a festival uh, nocturnal function which was up in Massachusetts. Um, and he was just extremely busy with that. So he was hoping that I could take on a few of his artists. So I started representing three uh, artists there, uh, Phalo, Research Chemicals, and Language, my friend. Um, and then I was also doing full festival outreach for all the artists on that label. Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's a lot, so I was, yeah, I was doing quite a bit. I uh, I, um, I, I want to uh, interrupt you real quick because I'm yeah yeah of course I'm really curious about uh, your kind of trajectory and how you got from you know just wanting to manage one of your friends to all of a sudden working with this agency that's representing artists all around bigger names and that kind of stuff. So I kind of want to go back and and say like or just see about like you know the kind of things that you were learning, like when you took on a job, maybe a little naively, and then that they got you to the understanding of like, oh, I think I can take this next step now. Like, like, like yes. certain things that you kind of like, you know, whatever, like artist relations stuff or just, you know, how you handle, you know, working with talent buyers and promoters and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I would say the earliest lessons were definitely how to build a schedule for artists that they can manage. Uh, that's more in the management aspect, um, how to help them be productive as a producer. Um, you know, it's just one person with electronic mostly, um, which, you know, is just like any, you know, I work a full-time at-home job. I can find myself dozing off co completely all the time. So, um, you know, whereas a band has like other people to really hype you up and like, hey, we got to do this. It's like you're your only hype man. So I was really trying to figure out proper schedules, 
how to keep my artists productive, build release schedules for them, um, make outreach, you know, lists for labels that we could reach out to, um, things like that. Um, but then at the same time, I was also, you know, getting help from friends who had, let's say, contracts from other agencies, uh, or I would just research like typical contract, uh, typical offer sheet, uh, you know, typical rider. And I would build my own, you know, by myself. And then once I joined Sounds Organic, and then I was also building my own outreach sheets, I forgot to mention. So um, I guess one thing I would do is I'd find an artist that I I believe was quite similar to the artist I was representing. And I would go on their Instagram and just scroll down all the way and look at every single promoter and venue that they played for and made like a Google sheet, found their emails. So it's a lot of... Uh, you know, I, I constantly, I guess, talk with my artists about how, uh, with a full-time job and with getting into it, starting with COVID and also not trying to be like a social media, uh, aficionado, like always on social media, people are always sharing my stuff. Like, I don't want to be that guy. I want to make sure that like, I'm focusing on the work rather than like, social all the time um you know i find that that is a struggle of mine which is if you can't be at a festival every week you're not going to meet as many people uh but at that same time you know like i kind of realized also a sentiment of uh and this was something i learned at my past job at a lobbying firm which is you know pesker people because like sometimes they they'll be happy that like you bring it to the top of their inbox because they never would have seen it before. Totally. It is true. Um, That's kind of my <laughs> philosophy too. It does work eventually. But I was, yeah. I was wondering, so like, uh, as you, so you started out, uh, very small and on your own, of course. And so you're researching the hell out of anybody that you can find. Uh, so what, what are you looking for when you're uh, researching? You know what I mean? Um, so obviously, uh, you know, for ideal shows that I could get my artists on, I want a proper, I, I hate using this word, but a proper vibe for a show. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, at least in Florida, I know of a few places that people could play that, uh, you know, may not pay well. Yep. You know, or may not may pay not at all because you got shitty promoters. Pay, exactly, yeah. exactly. So... You know, to weed those out, yeah, I do that. I'll still reach out to them, you know, and if there's no way to get a deal from them, then there's, excuse me, no way to get a deal from them, you know. Um, and that's obviously been a struggle too, you know, finding the dynamic between what my artists value their art at and what people want to pay them for. Right, yeah. Uh, um, so... Uh, Hold on, I'm trying to remember the exact question. Um, yeah, so yeah, like, what were you looking you know, for in, in an artist? Like, when you were first starting out, as as you got you got your friend that you're representing, and then 
Oh, so for artists, yeah, like yeah, what yeah. artists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, okay, so yeah, so mainly, um, I'm looking for people who are innovative in their styles and stick true to what I feel is at heart what they want to make. Um, within EDM, I feel like a lot of people just hop on trends and find themselves in a studio five hours a day trying to replicate someone's style that they heard and never find themselves saying like, well, what do I actually want to make? Um, so that's really what I'm looking for in an artist. Um, I also obviously have personal tastes that I prefer. Um, it's not that I'm saying if you don't make that style, I would never consider like if you reached out to me. But it's like because... it's easier to sell, though, if you love it, too. You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, so I would say the majority of what I'm representing is what would be labeled experimental EDM. Um, and a bit of it can like wander into what's known as Psydub or within a Psy realm. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that size sound is something I'm a huge fan of. And yeah, you love Tipper. I feel <laughs> like hundred percent. Well, even, even Tipper would, I guess within his newer, what he's been performing recently and more of what his shows have been putting on is more what would be described as neuro. Oh. So neuro like sound design. Um, and whereas like. The Psy realm is kind of like Ott, if you know Ott. Oh, yeah, of course. O-T-T. So, you know, I feel like within, this might be emotionally based, but since COVID, I feel like that entire realm has taken kind of a hit because people have gotten way more into that neuro kind of techie sounding style and more of what I guess would be described to some people as like, spiritual-esque Interesting. or just sigh and like more in, like world inspired music okay. has taken a bit of a hit um and i really want to be a voice bringing it back i obviously love both realms um but i really 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 love art and that style and that realm and uh it you know if we can or if you look through my roster, you know, you'll see a few of those like Living Light and Arcturus. I also work with an artist, Phalo, um, Mindex. They, they all really encapsulate that style. It's way more, I wouldn't say way more musical because I don't want to insult the neuro realm, but, uh, in, in certain aspects, it can be more musical and keyboard based and, you know, music theory based, which you don't really need music theory that much within electronic if if you don't know it. So, um, so you're looking for you're looking for an artist that fits fits that original sort of creative like to the heart to their own like style, not trying to follow somebody else's kind of vibe. And then once you once you're uh, uh, talking to them and you finally got their attention. What do you what do you offer them? You know what I mean? Yeah, so you know, my main offering I, that was a weird way of saying it, but <laughs> mainly I offer agency work. 
um, as I've taken more artists on um, and kind of dealt with more artists and seen what works and what doesn't, I found that having a really hands-on management style isn't always uh, helpful. Sure. And like they can, you know, they can often go against the grain um, as with any job, you know. Um, but as I'm growing it up and as I'm building the team and as I find myself becoming way more comfortable, I really want to go back to, I guess, my roots, even though it's only been a year, <laughs> um, and go, you know, really go back to like, hey, let's get your release schedule going. Let's stick to it because I want you to be successful and look at this as a job. Um, and, you know, at that same time, almost be, you know, I say this jokingly all the time, but almost be a therapist to these artists because a lot of it is self-doubt and saying, you know, like, oh, this person is like getting all these bookings and yada, yada, yada. And it's like, well, you don't know their life, what they're doing, what the offers they're getting are. And if you value your art at this rate and people don't want to book you at that, then let's get content out there so that they will. And you can do, you know, your nine to five in the meantime um, until you feel like, hey, things are working out well. My followers have gone up like crazy. People are starting to offer me that more. And then, you know, it's I feel exponential from there. As with all music, you know, more and more people share your music and, uh, you know, the word gets around. Um, on top of that, you know, obviously, as they get bigger, working to build up merch and, uh, you know, like proper social media um, outreach, I really want to start bringing in people for that. As I don't feel like I said, I'm, I'm not a social media genius. And I don't honestly, you know, like I said, Tipper's my biggest inspiration and his entire social media presence is none. Right. Uh, so, so, you know, that's a big inspiration to me as well, because I don't think that you should have to be a social media star to be taken seriously as a musician. Well, it's, especially uh, it seems like in the, in like the world of EDM where it's more of like, I feel like releasing music is probably the thing that gets more attention than anything in that, in that realm. And, uh, you know, when it comes to like, like bands and stuff, there's, you know, we have like album cycles and there's all these deadlines of like how you release music and what timeline and all that kind of stuff. And there's always a struggle with the, you know, whatever the quote unquote suits or like the agents and managers trying to get their artists to follow these deadlines and so they can do their job properly. Do you notice, because it seems like the album cycle thing is probably a shorter lifespan. Nice, Bill. <laughs> probably a shorter lifespan in the in the EDM world. I feel like there's a lot more singles being released, and it's a lot more of like you know we gotta do it. You know, maybe every month or two months we gotta be releasing this versus you know an 18 month album cycle for for bands and stuff. So how do you keep your artists motivated? And do you ever notice pushback from the artist on trying to hit those deadlines? Yeah, absolutely. And that kind of circles back to um, the problem psychologically right. with with being a solo artist. Um, and, you know, I, you know, at the at the end of my bio, I kind of listed out 
out what music I like. And, you know, anyone that knows me will tell you that I'm a big album person. I really, really don't know. Like, I couldn't tell you many individual track names, but I can name an album. Right. Um, and it's something that I wish EDM would get into, but I know it probably won't because it's like a younger generation's and music. And they're all about remixing and stuff like that. And so like the quicker you can get one single out, like that, that's it for electronic music. But it is so annoying on Spotify trying to listen to like all of one artist's music at the same time. But yeah. Imagine, yeah. Bukashay does a really great job at coming out with albums. I really like them a lot. I don't know if you do. But that's kind of my style of electronica. Is Let me spell the house, it. Oh. House, house music, minimal house, that, that kind of stuff. How you spell Tipper that? rules, though. Don't get me wrong. I've been listening to since, like, uh, Buka, B-O-O-K-A, Shade. Yeah. So, somehow use your agency work to get them from England to here. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> specifically yeah, specifically in the 904, and I would lose my mind because they're yeah, incredible. I'll, I'll keep you updated. Thanks, but, yeah, um, I think... I think something that gets a bit disheartening about it is that there's such a passion behind electronic music. It's pretty much, I, I don't think uh, passion for music ever fizzles or dies out, you know? I think it's the same passion in, in the same amount, but it's now expanded over so many musicians. Right. Uh, and that's led along with social media culture culture and tiktok culture to you know like your brains can't handle an hour of music that you know it's like okay i get it you know and especially even sometimes i'll be listening to let's say drum and bass or um like in the neuro realm and some of it you know, it might be a 10 track album. And I'm like, yeah, I, I also get it, you know, because it's like very repetitive in certain ways. And it doesn't have the same flow that you want out of like a metal album or out of a rock album or an alternative album. So, you know, that's something as well that if I can have a big voice in in the future of this community i want to bring back because yeah if you have that passion like what you know whatever happened to being able to sit for an hour while you're doing work or while you're doing something and listen to some someone's brain for an hour and exactly the story they wanted to put forth to you for that hour um so you know that's what kind of, you know, leads to this culture of just singles and, um, you know, certain people are just like, okay and content with like a song, you know, which I, I know there has to be a balance between like, okay, this song is like not done yet. And, you know, this song is done. And like and like, get it out as quick as possible. That's like the whole vibe of, of EDM, in my opinion. Exactly, but some artists, and I would say more of the underground uh, experimental artists that I uh, work with and uh, am acquaintances with, struggle immensely with uh, you know self doubt. You know, 
they'll go, they'll be in a eight bar loop for like five hours and change it so much from what sounded good to what sounds so extreme and off the edge that it's like, well, did those were those five hours actually productive did you do anything to help yourself (laughs) or or did you just waste five hours (laughs) uh so you know i again i i say this a lot but you know within this realm and within what i want my ideal management style to be is to have a balance like even within i'm having my friend vince who uh produces under uh, the moniker Feng Shui, and that, he also... I've heard that before for it sure. It means, like, how you arrange your furniture. Okay, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Yeah. I was going to say... the artist. Also, like, what's your favorite electronic album, like, full-length album? There's no way I could answer that, because I'm not a big EDM <laughs> guy, but I am fascinated by the genre and how the, that, you know, that kind of sect of the industry works, because it's, it is... Although there's definitely paradigms that still exist, I think that permeate every genre of music. Like every niche kind of has its own way of like navigating it. So it's always interesting to me how EDM does that. So, anyways, continue. I was gonna say my favorite though. That's oh right. no, yeah, say your favorite, Bill. Let's say uh, your, uh, this is your interview. Anyways, no, I'm good. just, I'm just saying. Yeah, we're talk talking about, about music. Yeah, this is all it says. Uh, Vitalik, OK Cowboy. Have you ever listened to Vitalik before? No. no? Is, Let me check it out. Ellie's a bit of a boomer. So. I love, I love that French, yeah, I can French, French house <laughs> music. He kept on going and everything like that. But yeah, that did, I think that came out in like two thousand and three or four. Oh yeah, Jesus Christ, Bill, what are we doing here, bro? Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's so like a, above its time or ahead of its time and everything like that. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> sorry. I'll check it out. I get excited. I'm, not, I'm gonna talk about electronic music a lot on this fucking show. It's mostly jazz. Yeah, I, and I swear Herbie to Hancock. God, I'll check. I love Herbie Hancock. <laughs> yeah, who, do, I like, who doesn't? They, they just they just released like a fifty greatest hits or something, and uh, I thought it would be like maybe thirty minutes, and I was like maybe an hour in and realized it was an eight hour compilation. Yeah. I mean, one, like, okay. one Herbie tunes like half an hour. Yeah, that's so. what I'm saying, man. <laughs> well, no, it was like five minute tracks, but there were like a hundred. Oh, word. So. Good for him. I know. Yeah, I was like, he keeps going. He was just here a little while ago. Yeah. For free. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. But yeah, I'll check, I'll check, uh, both. Buka Shade. Buka Shade and Vitalik. Buka Shade. Yeah, yeah, I will. I, I probably sound like uh, Gen Z as fuck. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my friend, my friend Vince uh, Feng Shui will find out how you're connected. He knows a lot of people in the state, uh, but he runs uh, these shows uh, under Alchemy Productions in St. Pete uh, with my friends Josh who DJs under Brother Bear, and my friend Nico, who DJs under Nico the Alchemist. I've heard and that Nico name for produ- sure, too. Yeah, Nico produces as well. Um, I've actually had him come on, and I'm going to have him speak with all my artists uh, to help from a producer's point of view about um, like the technicalities of their music and take a listen um, and as well, help a little bit in the management. Um, he made like a list that he's going to go through. So, you know, he'll ask them like, what got you into this and kind of refresh their mind on like, okay, where were you when you started? Where are you today? 
what are your goals from here on out so that, you know, like a few years from now, we can look back and say, remember this and like, look at where you are now. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the listening, you know, to their works in progress, um, you know, I conceded that I don't know technical musical terms all the time. Um, and this is going back to the, the, what I was saying about balance, which is that given that, you know, I am a listener, you know, Just about to say, yeah. so yeah. So to find the balance between what a producer will tell you technically is wrong with the track. And then what someone who's a listener will tell you. Um, and like when I listen, I'll listen on my clip system here in my house. I'll listen like on my computer speakers that are not that good. I'll listen on my phone. So I can like hear from every point of view, you know, what it sounds like. Because to say that someone is always going to have studio monitors in front of them to hear your music and be like, oh my God, that one part in the low end, like that's quite ignorant. So, totally. um, yeah, so that's like a part of the balance I'm trying to bring to these artists to, to help them and. Uh, especially within a niche realm, you know, to have someone that isn't a producer, let's say, because producers could hear like the sound of a fart. And if it's like well tuned, they'll be like, oh, my God, how did you, how did you EQ that? Yeah. Like, that's, uh, but like, you know, that's what then I you'll sh I was going to say, that's what I wanted to, to I forgot about that app that I wanted to make. That's going to be like revolutionize revolutionized producers which uh called uber mix and it mixes all of your songs to format onto any speaker there's kind of a uh there's kind of a app that does that called e-master damn it yeah it's so a way better like, name late yeah damn yeah so you're kind of <laughs> yeah, late to the I, game on that damn one. it i had that idea I, two I, years ago i'm suing that's intellectual property stealing right there <laughs> Yeah, I often come up with ideas like that. Like, I came up with an idea for a... Actually, maybe I shouldn't say it because it hasn't popped off that big yet. Listen, but bud, someone, no one's listening to this podcast. Hey, that's joking. not true. I'm just, I'm just joking. Hey, I saw your TikTok following, so... Whatever. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, no big deal. No, no big deal or whatever. You know, 1,500 followers overnight. Just no fucking deal. blowing up in three days. No big deal. <laughs> not a big deal Creating viral Just a household name now, whatever. All you gotta do is piss the boomers off. They get real I don't excitable. know what happened. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But speaking of uh, 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 greatly produced music, you want to do the Billboard Tough Guy? Yeah, yeah. I wanted before we do that, Noah. I know you were in the middle of a thought, but I want to say because uh, we, I do want to get to the next section. Your perspective on managing and and you know representation as a whole is so refreshing. Can I just say because like we've had we've had we've had uh, you know managers and agents on in the past, and it's always a great conversation with them. But um, nobody's really had the perspective that I think that you've had, and you made some great points about about like the therapist aspect of it, and about like just um, really trying to keep your artist motivated, and that's always stuff that I think, you know, a lot of agents get caught up in the, the here's how the industry works. This is what we're talking about is like you know the industry, but there is an art to represent like to representing the artist as well, and to know the art of you know keeping your artists on track and making them being the wind under their wings to kind of make them the best that they possibly can be 
I think is something that a lot of people don't talk about on that side of it. So, you know, thank you for that refreshing perspective, yeah, uh, perspective absolutely. on the whole thing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Thank you. And, and I'll concede that, you know, it's as someone who's growing and learning, which is when I always like on my first call with artists, you know, I always mention that, Hey, we're, we're all growing and learning here. I'm growing and learning here. I'm not perfect, but I know that I'm passionate about this and this is what I want to do with my life. So I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can to, to implement what I think can help you best. Um, and you know, like, like any person I've had ups and downs with my own mental health, you know, and I found that to like get back into the work that I'm doing has always been like, I'll find myself at like a kava bar locally here and I'll have my headphones and there's just a bustle around and I'll be doing my work that, you know, let's say for two days, I've been like, ah, yeah, tomorrow. And then I get to it. And when I finally get to it and then two hours later, I get all that work done. And I think about the people I'm working with, uh, the music that they're producing, who they are and like the futures that I know they'll have and I'm confident they'll have, I feel like a million bucks. Like, I don't need drugs at that, you know, like, I'm just like, wow. Hell yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't need the kava. Yeah. Which <laughs> yeah, who needs I might get in, Yeah, who needs I kava? might get in trouble for loitering, but I know the owner pretty well. <laughs> I'm sure you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so we want to get into bottom of the billboard this week. This week was um, my pick. And this is actually a band that I'd never heard of before. I was doing some work the other day, and I had a Spotify this radio going. That's kind of where I get my listening in these days is when I'm working. And uh, and this artist came up named Couch, uh, a band, and um, this song called Easy to Love, I believe is what it's called, yep. uh, came on, and I was like, oh, my God, it just took me back. I'm a, a you know... I can appreciate EDM for what it is, but it's never been something I've been super into. And this kind of music here, this is like the soul kind of like the modern soul funk kind of vibe. And this stuff is really where my head's kind of lived for the last, you know, year or so. Uh, this kind of uh, this song, I kind of liken it to there's a band out of Austin called Mingo Fish Trap uh, that I think is amazing. And there's another band coming out of Brooklyn called Sammy Ray and the Friends. And this band's kind of like an amalgamation yeah, no of kidding. the two. And and I don't know, man, like 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 the like the vocals to me just kind of you know, this kind of Joni Mitchell esque, but like at the same time a lot more soulful and not to that's not disparaging Joni Mitchell, she's one of my favorites of all time. But it's just more existing in the realm of the soul and funk kind of sound. And uh it's kind of floating and you know, kind of just uh gliding through the octaves and just it's i love how i just love the atmosphere that that creates obviously i'm a big fan of cool and like interesting chord changes and uh i like I, San, like santana yeah, yeah. like santana yeah. like fucking smooth yeah that's that, that some, kind of smooth chord some, changes some cool minor two fives in that one <laughs> anyways um so uh I just kind of love the whole vibe of this tune and and it moves around a lot. You know, it's like, it's got like the bridge kind of goes to a completely different vibe. And I just, I I love this song. It's, it's, it's a great song. I, uh, uh, I didn't hate this song. I really didn't hate it. Uh, 
there's as much as like I don't know Dave Matthews song that you made me listen to or a couple <laughs> other tracks, but the it's that it's it's just it's a lot, man. It's just it's just so much happening all the time, and those like just like quick changes and everything like that. They're cool. I love it. That's what keeps you listening. It's no, it jars you away from me. Like what's happening? I love it. So in my opinion, it does sound uh, uh, like obviously she's a great singer without a doubt. The band behind them, really great players, but it just sounds like a super like nerdy uh, college band. Oh, kind of like music, what an, music theory, uh, uh, majors band. That's a wild perspective because it's nothing not, about though. their stuff <laughs> seems heady or like or like or like super like like nerdy at all. What do you think, Chris? Because I know, I know it's a lot. I'm just saying it's a lot. It, it is all I'm trying to get at. Yeah, it really struck me more pop than yeah. You know, like, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe in the like realm of Stevie Wonder in the yeah. sense of, like pop that there's like some cool stuff happening, but like in a way that kind of really augments what's going on. Like those vocal melody, melodies to me wouldn't pop without like some of the stuff going on under it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you, you know, if you took some of that away, you, like know, the, you might not get the same. The horns, magic. the horns come in and like these like really random, like jarring parts and everything like that. And I get like why you like the cool stuff because it's like, Oh, it's like new stuff happening all the time. It's like, explosions but at the same time like there's it never felt like there was a groove to that song it was just like just craziness what do you think noah <laughs> i didn't was it in the the dark yeah yeah it's okay no to be fair i did send it uh this afternoon so you didn't have much time <laughs> hey, so don't don't worry about it, I I listened it. To it. oh yeah it was great yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> that's what you gotta do be an agent right now dude <laughs> Yeah, be an Asian, bro. Um, <laughs> how, the best. how would you pitch this band without having ever heard them before? Let's hear it. <laughs> it if you are like a music theorist, okay, yeah. this is your this band. Is yeah. our band. This huh? is like a this is a One Direction for music theory aficionados. There you okay. go, hundred uh, <laughs> percent. And I'll have to say, it's not like it's like crazy jazz or like super complicated or anything like that. It's just I don't know. It never felt like it. That it took off or whatever, just like just just lay down a groove and sing over it, and then add stuff into it later. And it, there was a, a couple of parts in there where I'm just like, oh yeah, this is what's gonna happen next. And it's just very predictable. Oh, interesting. To each their own, though. I just don't really like that kind of it's like soul soulful kind of music like that. It just seems it's just it's kind of boring. You listen to four on the floor, and this is predictable music. Yeah, <laughs> I get, I get where the minimal house music is. Like, yeah, this is predictable. I yeah, get, sorry. I get what you're trying to say because you can always say like electronic music is just four on the floor, but uh, uh, no, will even. Uh, no, we're talking about minimal house specifically. What about it? Just the, pr- the predictability of minimal house music, just specifically. Whatever. At least it grooves, though. Yeah. The, okay. Well, that's an interesting. Hey, perspective. people like it. Yeah. Totally. I just, I could see them like, I don't know. Playing, I, I don't even want to say it because they might be listening, but I, I hope I hope they do really well. Yeah, I'm not a huge. I didn't hate it though. Yeah. I didn't. I, I wasn't just like, oh, turn this shit off. Yeah. It was it was it was good. Uh, what you know what I, what I what I like about songs like that in that kind of vein is that you can pick out one instrument and you can like there's like a there's like a part happening, and you can really hone in on that one thing, and then you can go back and listen to it again and pick out another instrument and then yeah. pick out the vocal and then pick out the backup vocals and you can be like, oh man, this song has got like all these 
it's multifaceted, you know. I actually say that it's not as pretty predictable as you might think that it is. That one part know? at the end where it was just like, blah, 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 it's gonna be really big, and I'm like, it's gonna drop, and it's just gonna be her singing. Oh, herself. yeah, and I was I mean, like, you know, okay, cool, really <laughs> yeah, there's no drops in EDM at all, they don't do that at all. Uh, what, <laughs> um, but yeah, <laughs> you I have mean, no idea what's coming at the end of that thing, though. Mm, you know, that happens every it's single usually time, like a it's halftime kind of thing, or it goes right back in. To like the no, you need to you need to chime in right here. You have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, I would agree. Yeah, for the, me too. Actually, for the, for the majority of electronic music, it is incredibly predictable, Thank and you. that's why I think whatever. That's why I think it's appealing. Yeah. yeah. So I would say, like, you know, in a modern age, that's more appealing to have something that's predictable. I because I, I think what what happened. So Billy, uh, Billy, and I just historically don't agree on anything when it comes to music. And um, I think that sometimes, and I, I'm guilty of it as well, we just like to be contrarian to each other. So things we might like about other music that, that we actually like, we might disregard as something kind of, uh, dis- just or just dismiss it in something else that we, not, that we just don't typically like, just to see what, what the other one says. You know what I mean? That's kind of just our relationship in general. That's beautiful. If I was trying to date that girl, I'd say it's the best music I ever heard. Yeah. Okay. Let's say that. So does it make it on our playlist? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like I said, wow. like if I don't want to throw it away in the garbage, you can, you can. Th- I'll give you a couple tracks every now and then. All right. My you next one's gonna be Dave Matthews. The fuck off. No, though. he's coming up next. I'm gonna I can't do, I'm, wait. I'm doing another. D- to I'm just doing another vote DMV him down. Stuff. Anyways, <laughs> makes the podcast. I mean, playlist. I say that every time. Yeah. Well, it's because I'm on a podcast. Because you're on a podcast, which is also has a playlist. Yeah. A podcast playlist. Podcast playlist. On the play. PP. Which okay. yes. Yeah. PP. Which big. Big PP. Big, big, <laughs> I yeah. love it. Which, by the way, uh, Noah, if you have any artists, uh, I would imagine several of your artists have music out. Send us some links so we can put them on our, our actual oh, yeah, of the yeah, yeah. playlist. We have a real playlist. We got, we got we, two playlists, yeah. Yeah, that we put our feature All right, stuff for on. for sure. Um, anyways, yeah. we're going to put a bow on this section. Uh, it's making the playlist. Noah, thank you for your contribution on this one. Always <laughs> much appreciated. Yeah, it was... <laughs> One of my favorite songs I've heard. There it is. There it is. There's the, that's, <laughs> in my ever. Yeah, ever. Yes. Okay. I like it. Thank you. Um, okay. So um, I want to talk about your work with Capital uh, Sound. Sound, right? Yeah, Capital Sound. Okay. So you're actively working with this company now. Yes, sir. And they're a promotions company. And you're working like your head of artist relations and the graphic design side of it. Yeah, what do they actually? Yeah, what, what, what do they provide in Tallahassee? So uh, I guess I'll dive in. But so Capital Sound was started by uh, Josh Brother Bear, who I mentioned before. Right. He's doing Alchemy now in St. Pete. Prayers, prayers out. Yeah. Um, yeah, big time. Actually. And then it was growing. They were doing shows outdoors at this. Uh, our restaurant called Railroad Square Craft House, um, which is closing, sadly. Uh, and it was growing. We've, we had a few artists like Mize, which I don't think you would know the name, uh, and Rekno, who have like blown up since then. Rekno was like on the Hula lineup last year. Um, and you know, it's just basically electronic shows with a festival kind of vibe to them. We have vendors. 
proper sound, um, flow performers, visual artists, you know, the whole shebang. Um, so things were really picking up and the biggest show to the day, to that day was happening in May of 2020. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> And uh, as everyone can guess, it got canceled. And for about a year and a half, there was a plateau. Or not a plateau, but just nothing happening. Uh, Josh, within that time, moved to St. Pete. Um, And I went to my friend Stephen Van Landingham and talked with him and my friend Brad about starting it back up. Um, last New Year's, uh, I wasn't a part of the team yet, but they had done a New Year's party to start the company up again. And after that show, I joined up and, and actually the reason I didn't do that show was because I was trying to go to Lettuce in St. Pete. Good move. And then. Great band. And then that got, that got canceled. Oh, for fuck's sake. Because of a risk. Yeah, for Resurgence. Uh, Great festival so Resurgence. Just, yeah. Oh, that's a good name, yeah. <laughs> that is a really good name. Guys, are we are we locking this in now? Are we putting it on paper? Are we still, I mean, you could be head of artist relations, Noah. Doesn't pay anything, but hey. it's great exposure. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of exposure. A lot of exposure at Resurgence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, there, there you go. go. It right. took a little while. It took a minute there. That's a yeah. good joke. I the like mice that. in his brain started putting the puzzle pieces together. <laughs> oh my god. I am very slow sometimes. It's okay. Oh, that's all right. All right, so continue. So yeah, so um since then we've done five shows. We were having our sixth show Friday. Um, but we moved that to next Saturday because of COVID or not because of COVID, (laughs) but because of Ian. Um, what an ass. I've just gotten, yeah, I've gotten so used to saying because of COVID. Well, he's, Um, he's blowing all the COVID to Florida. Yeah. That's what's happening. Wear a mask. If you go outside and get vaccinated kids before the storm prepare properly. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Like Biden said, please prepare yourself. Do not get sand and do not get wood for your windows. No. Get, vaccinated, get vaccinated. Yeah. Please. Um, so, so, yeah, we're doing uh, a show next Saturday uh, with MindX, uh, my, my own artist. Um, we have three local, or no, sorry, two local artists, uh, AFAT and the Blossom Seed, who are local to Tallahassee playing. And uh, Ikuma, who's out of, I, I always forget where he's out of, but I'm pretty sure it's Orlando. Don't take my word on that. And Pablo, I'm sorry, because I am bad at that. Um, but yeah, Ikuma played Tipper and Friends this past year, and he's a great guy. Um, so he'll be playing. But basically, yeah, we're trying to get all producers for our shows. And, you know, Tallahassee is not a very musical place anymore. I know. I just uh, played there, like, well, at the beginning of the year, and I was just blown away. Because we used to knock that place out of the park when I was, like, his age. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome for EDO. Yeah. So there's a big dynamic going on in this town where 
uh, I'll hand out my flat. Like there's no uh, respect for like someone outside of a show handing out flyers for their show. There's no thought like, wow, this guy seems pretty dedicated. Maybe I should check that out. No. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure that's e- I'm sure that's every town, but like yeah. here, the, it is like horrendously bad. Um, and like the dynamic is really like just strengthened and showed off by like the fact that DJ Diesel Shaq comes to town and 2,500 people pay $80 a ticket to go see him boo off the openers for the show and say, we want Chuck, we want Chuck. And, uh, you know, I hand out my flyers, uh, just a young guy, just like, Hey, come out to my show. And it's always, how much is it? And like, literally if your show isn't like $10 in this town, people are like, hold on. Man. That's, like, that's I, a lot of cheeseburgers. <laughs> yeah, I have like no money at all. Right. So we're well, spending it to go see Shaq. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> How could you miss Shaq? Um, so yeah, I'm really, really proud of what we've been doing. I do uh, pretty much all of the graphic design for it. Uh, trying to learn video editing for it, but I that's a long, a lot of learning. Yeah. Uh, I do artist relations for it, so so I have... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so I house the artists in my house. I have a spare room here, Uh, you know, take care of them before the show. You handle all the advanced information and stuff also, or is that... Yeah, contracting, getting riders in, uh, negotiating. Um, I work with the production teams most of the time. I, I do quite a bit for it. I curate the lineups with, like, Stephen and I negotiate uh, on the lineups, but obviously with a roster of my own, I like to get uh, as many of my own artists on it. You know, I'm curious uh, when what happens if you can't get your whole roster. Uh, how many how many artists do you have under your roster right now? Uh, like at the whole. Like if I include sounds organic artists and my entire roster and my other agent Andrew's roster, it's fifteen. So what happens if you if you can't like what what happens if you gotta pick like, you know, a handful of your artists? How's that play? That's obvi- that's obviously like uh you know, when I'm making the roster or the the lineups, you know, that's a huge question, like oh my God, should I be getting this person on it or that person? But obviously, like any other promotion company, we have a budget uh, and we have to curate to the demographic as well. Right. Which we already go heavily against the grain on. Um, So, you know, next month in November, no, next, next month, in November, uh, we're going to be doing a show at uh, the local planetarium here. Um, so, you know, for me, it's about making an event that people find themselves, you know, really entranced in so much so that they leave and they're like, okay, whatever they're throwing, I'm going back. 
And, you know, I, I want to like shout out Vince, Josh and Nico in, in St. Pete, because that's what they've done with Alchemy. You know, a lot of their uh, headlining artists, you know, I'll bring up to people that know quite a bit of EDM and I'll be like, yo, Brick Squash is coming to town. And it's like, who? what? <laughs> but it's like within St. Pete, people might not know the name, but they know Alchemy's name and they know that they make or they put on proper shows that if you don't know the name, well, you'll know the name and you'll start loving that name. Right. And that's what we really, really want to do here because obviously <clears throat> this town has a musical history. After I listened to your podcast, you know, I spoke with Paul because Paul actually threw shows in Tallahassee. Really? Like starting out. I didn't know yeah. That. So uh, at, a, at a club that I think it was Crowbar. Crowbar? In that's Tampa. in Tampa. No, no. Then that's why I always get confused. Hold on. I think it's what? in Tallahassee. Jeez. They had the engine and the side. Engine, engine room. room. There we yeah. go. Yeah. We used to play there so, all the time, too. Hell yeah. Yeah. So engine room became. GVO, good vibes only. Uh-oh. And well, no, the whole the main area where the bar is was called GVO. And then where I believe engine room was w- became whatever the name is, I cannot think of it now, but it recently shut down. Um I don't know, there's like some legal thing going on with it. I don't know what's going on. Um, but when I was like researching it, I started reading articles and I was like, yeah, Paul, Paul through the shows. Mm. So, you know, <clears throat> I spoke with him and excuse me, I'm still coughing quite a bit. Um, you know, I spoke with him about like what to do to build a scene here because it's obvious that Tallahassee has been musical and it's pretty sad and disheartening to see it become you know, like just a, hey, Shaq's coming to town. Like, come on out. You know, I want it to be a place where people say uh, deep in the future, like, oh, yeah, like Mindex. I saw him, you know, like a small local show in college. And, you know, I have I have real uh, faith that like, People like Tipper in the future will be similar to what Pink Floyd is today. Um, it's obviously like very different styles. So like I don't want it to come across like very just like band band. But, you know, the fan base is so similar and the the hype for it is so similar. And obviously other bands will be just as like, holy shit, you saw String Cheese Incident way back? That's crazy. You saw Krungbin way back? No way. Like, that will be a thing, but I really think, like, EDM, as it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, people will start saying, like, you saw Tipper back in the day? Like, you'll see, like, Tipper question mark shirts, like the Grateful Dead shirts of today. You know, like, people will be like, yeah, I have a vintage Tipper, blah, blah, blah. So it's like... I, I want to be a person that's curating shows that are bringing up and coming artists to Tallahassee so that 
people have memories like that. It's not just memories of like, yeah, I didn't know who this artist was and I just did drugs and blah, blah, blah. No, I want people to be like, it was freaking awesome. Like it was a smaller show. The vibes were immaculate. And, uh, you know, their grandkids are like, oh, my God, no way. Grand well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Besides hand, handing out flowers for DJ Diesel, I love that's his name. It's hilarious. But and and of course, your uh, festival at the Planetarium that you're doing in a month. What else do you think uh, you can do to to make that happen? Um. So right now I'm in the works of building a street team. So that's something I've kind of realized that uh, we've been lacking on as a team is is getting people other than me. I can say things so many times to people I don't know, and they can think I'm a lunatic who's just like, come to my show, come to my show. <laughs> yeah. But if we can build a street team of people who uh, are like-minded individuals who enjoy the shows, who are you know willing to go out there and tell their friends and uh come out there with me to shows and hand out the flyers as well i think we can really start building something uh from a grassroots level and build it up to a point where you know you know if i do leave tallahassee which everyone says to me like why haven't you left why haven't you left and it's always been like i want to see you know, I want to make an impact on this town that had a huge impact on on me in a in in a in a crazy way. You know, I would have never found uh, art like I mentioned earlier without uh, Emma, the former president of SSDP. If you know what that is, here Students for Sensible Drug Policy. Interesting. Um, I like that. Yeah, so it's a it's a offshoot of Maps. So you know maps. No. Maps are mad. Maps. Well, maps against drunk driving. It doesn't sound the same kind of deal. It's kind of, it's yeah. kind of <laughs> map. Maps is like uh, Rick Strassman's, I believe. Don't take my word on it, but I believe that's who runs it. Uh, it's like the biggest psychedelic research institute in the country. Oh. So um, SSDP is like at a college level, it's to educate students on proper safe drug usage, kind of under like the, the memo of you're going to do it. You might as well be safe so that your parents don't get a call one night that, you know, their kid took who knows what. True. And so uh, I was a treasurer graphic designer for SSDP for my four years in college um and emma the president my sophomore year uh i went to halloween right and i remember i was near i was camped in 80 acres and we went through that entrance so we're at the patch at the time and i'm heading towards spirit lake and i run into her and she's like where are you going and i was like uh, spirit lake i don't know and she's like ot's playing and i'm like who oh okay, cool, have fun. And she's like, no, no, like, you're not missing this. And uh, yeah, that that set, like, completely changed my entire view of, of electronic music, along with Tipper's set uh, that year, uh, which I don't remember much of. <laughs> but, 
um, I knew I had to keep seeing it. Um, so it's like this town made a huge impact on me. And I also know that with it being such a college town and having so much of not so much anymore, but it's growing up more as our football team becomes better and better. Um, as it becomes more of a fraternity and sorority oriented town, uh, you can't even imagine how many outcasts you have that, uh, find themselves not knowing what to do. Uh, you know, they might go to a kava bar every single day because they have literally nothing else they're interested in doing. Um, so if I can, not that I'm like trying to find them, but if I happen to run into them and they happen to give my show a chance, and their lives are potentially changed for the better and they find something that they're interested in. Because for me personally, it's not just EDM. Like, I, I really like a wide variety of music. Um, you know, I would love to get, like, Krung bin here one day. I would love to get Jungle, uh, uh, Frank Moody, yeah. you know. Uh, even, like, you know, Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats, you know, I'm really into like stoner rock. So it's like if I could get just shows here that could introduce people to music they might not know, but could fall in love with real quick. Uh, and, and you know, one day I get a message like, hey, man, like I never would have discovered this music. I'm now such a big fan you know, I had no clue what to do with my life. And now uh, I find myself just inspired to maybe write that music or, or, you know, it was always kind of my goal. Even when I wanted to DJ, I remember saying, I want to be the DJ that's up there, that's inspiring someone like me down here to want to be up there. Hell yeah. And and now it's just, I just want to be someone that builds something that inspires people to just do anything that they want to do. Because we are becoming more and more of just a uh, phone obsessed, you know, like people are just more and more depressed uh, every single day. And, you know, for instance, like everyone I meet, pretty much, or everyone I met for like three years, I was like, you got to go to Halloween. You got to go like, like obsessively. I was like, you got to check it out. Like, it's so awesome. And now I'm like in the crowds and I'm like, there are too many people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this um, guy, yeah. you should have, you should have been at Swanee back in the day, kid. I'm telling you, that was the best when there was well, like 2000, 3000 people there. And for like Aura, you would have loved Aura. I don't know if you ever oh, got to yeah, go. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I, that's why I go to like resonate yeah. and tranquility and like the smaller fest. Yeah. Like I even want to go to like a river jam, even though I don't know the artist because I love those smaller fests at Swanee where you feel like you can just run around and, and no one's around you. And you know, you just feel so free. Um, but Halloween is, is ridiculously awesome. Granted, there are a lot of people there, but like that just means the production's even better. Oh yeah, yeah totally. the production is so top notch. Yeah, you went last um, year, right? Yeah, 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 me too. I thought it was incredible. I got to got to play with Greenhouse Lounge there, and it was just like, like at the Spirit Lake stage. That's where it was at. That that whole 
installations uh, section and everything. That was the best. It's just, yeah, it's just absurdly beautiful. Uh, whereas, like, other festivals, I feel like take plastic and try to turn it into something beautiful. Yeah. I feel like Swanee, uh, the park, and Halloween come together perfectly to take uh, a park and, like, bring out the beauty of its natural aspects, uh, which is, like, just mind-blowing. I didn't think that that would be a thing when I went to Bonnaroo and I'm walking up to a Lay's fucking booth and it's like... <laughs> Here's free lays, and I'm like, is this just like a? Oh no, it's pretty bad there. Like, it just felt like a Spotify that you didn't pay for. Nope. Yeah, like it's just like <laughs> it's just like music and then ads. Yeah, and it's then very music and then ads. Yeah, totally. So, so yeah, I guess that is uh, my life story up to now. <laughs> well, I love. Who knows. I love what you're trying to do, man, because I have a very It's hard, man, what you're doing. Yeah, without a doubt. But, yeah, this, it's awesome to see somebody still, you know, handing out flyers at shows. I haven't had to do that in, like, 10 years. <laughs> and, like, I'm just like, damn, it's still happening. I'm really happy that you're doing it. It works. Yeah, the the new trick is uh, I have the flyer in my phone, and then I just airdrop. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we didn't that. have that back in the day. I feel so old saying that. Yeah. But, like, the, what we would do is uh, people would just, like, throw it away or throw it on the ground all the time. So we would just yell, free sex show, and then hand out a flyer. And they'd be like, <laughs> what? And, like, there you go. Hold on to that. Uh, the, ticket uh, in. The, 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 the ancient uh, um, airdrop. It's so ancient. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like the, the ancient equivalent of like an air, airdrop. Instead of, instead of like airdropping uh, a flyer, you say free sex show. Yeah, that's just what gets I people, Just gets it in their that, hands. That's, that's the, that's, oh, I see what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's yeah. the, that's how we used to do it. The yeah. ancient airdrop would be you take a helicopter and literally drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah literally. The flyer. Yeah. <laughs> like they, yeah, like they did in Germany, kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some propaganda, but yeah. I think uh, 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 that's hilarious that you airdrop people flyers at a yeah, show. We did that's amazing. I mean, it's the easiest access to their phone, and uh, <laughs> you know, I love it. You know, if, if they have it on, they can deny it or they can accept it. And if they accept it, at least they're seeing it. Yeah. Um, and I cannot say confidently that everyone that sees it is like, oh, my God, like an EDM show in town. Woo. I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm going to go to this. Uh, but I'm I'm at least hopeful that at least one of, let's say, 100, because that's like all that really matters. Yep. It's like one of 100 is like, you know what? I, random, you know, like I'm sure one out of 100 is like on something at the show. And it's like, well, I have my pashmina on and I have my crystal in my left hand. <laughs> so I, whatever comes my way is what I need to do yeah. right now. Well, also, also, like, if one person gets it and decides they want to go, they're going to bring, like, a crew of people also. And then, like, like, that extended crew of people might bring, like, some of their extended friends. So it ends up being, like, you know, all it takes is, like, a couple of people to really start getting – getting like the word out and then you know if your first couple of shows are which i'm obviously you're you're beyond that now but just as people that are coming up that are trying to figure the, the thing out if your first couple of shows are a failure which they're going to be 
um, at, at yep. least you just starts to kind of get the ball rolling, you know, and that's a very, you know, that approach of, you know, airdropping is just like, you know, like, like, like the word of mouth is still the best way, given all the technology and all the social media stuff, like the concept or, or, or the mentality behind the word of mouth is still the thing, you know, whether it's like a flyer on your phone or whether it's people posting on their individual accounts about something happening. The idea is that people still make the thing happen, you know? Yeah, sadly, I think a lot of people think that now that we have social and now that you can buy uh, Instagram and Facebook ads, that people see these ads and they're like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to go to yeah. this. But the reality is it's just like swipe. Yep. So I think you'll see that within the next few years, ideas like this will come back because if you can have a genuine human connection with someone and explain exactly what you're putting out, you know, then they might be interested, you know, because I, I don't have it directly on me, but I could show you the flyer for our next show. It has the date, it has the time, but you know, like basically you need like EDM show. <laughs> just a flyer. It's just, it's that you know, like Times New Roman. I'm not doing yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm not I'm not doing that. No. But like realistically, that's what like our brains have like progressed to. It's like, well, what is you know, like what is that? What we what we always did was literally is we would play the show, but if you came to the show, great, but it's the after party that you have to come to. I'm dead serious. And it worked in your 20s, which is what you are. It's like that worked all the time. Is That's where you get like really connected to people and meet people and everything like that. And yeah. they're going to show up next time because they know it's a party. Like it's, but that's one aspect for sure. It is. I think that, I think that there's another way to do it also. No, yeah, without but, a doubt. You know, yeah, because I mean, I also think that that kind of like – that that way of thinking about it has a lifespan, you know, and then there's because, also because the, you think about it as always being a party, but it's it's at, at that after party or whatever, it's making connections, yeah, yeah, totally, stuff like that, and totally. that, like you're yeah. saying, that that connection, that human ex- experience with one another, that's that's how you get, yeah, that, that's that's another thing I've been doing, like for the DJ Diesel show, I was out there, I made a flyer that day to throw an after party. Uh, for that show, not really. Be- I didn't go to the show, and I wasn't gonna play similar music. Like, there's no doubt. Um, but for me, it was like, hey, if I can go airdrop the flyer to people, they want to show up, they show up, and they happen to like the music. Okay, then they know. Okay, I like this music. I go up to them. Hey, there's this show. Oh, okay. I like this music. I'll go to this show. Yeah, yeah. The, that like that works big time. Like that at kind yeah. of after part. What Billy's talking about, I think, is more of like the hang You're, after the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I'm telling you, that's what gets up. That's where connections are made. Yeah, yeah for sure. I know you didn't go. You weren't invited to a lot of parties. No, no, no. Shut up. The, and that's okay. Yeah, that's totally okay. You're late bloomer. Late bloomer. I'm tired of partying, so I don't the, do that anymore. No, no. no I, I, I went to too many. I. I <laughs> I threw too many. No, I understand the uh, home buddy. The, the the hang like the hanging out aspect and definitely making the connection with people. Yeah, I think that I think that also 
there's got to be the emphasis on the substance of what you're putting out. Oh, there without too, a doubt. You know? Yeah, you can't. That's got to come first, I yeah. think. You know? I mean, there's a reason why the Grateful Dead family is called a family, though. Yeah, yeah totally. To you got to have it all. That's all sure. I'm trying to say. I think there are more more reasons to that. Nah. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. They're not. Are wait, they're related? <laughs> I didn't know that. No, I'm kidding. No, no I'm kidding. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a wild scene. Um, but uh, Noah, it's been awesome yeah. talking to you about all this stuff, man. You, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, yeah, man. guys, for having me on. Absolutely. And uh, I hope I can come on again soon. I actually, I didn't know if I'd like being on a podcast because I've never been on one. Yeah. But it's been really fun. Hell yeah, man. And and the pre talks that everyone who's listening didn't hear. No. Were even more fun. Yeah, t- <laughs> totally. Yeah, man, it's, I, I love your perspective on 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 all of it, whether it be the uh, the promotion side or whether it be the artist relations side or the representation side. I think you have your finger on the pulse as far as what the job description is in every angle from it. So um, I'm excited to see what you do, and uh, you know you'll always have support here with us for sure. Yeah, a you good know. guy agent. Thank you guys so much. You don't, totally. you don't see that very much. Totally, a good guy agent that cares uh, about you. Not your numbers. 100%. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I, I only care about TikTok followers. Uh, well, then you'll love what we're doing yeah, here at Bottom yeah. of the Bill. We're so. kind of... Oh, yeah. You guys... Crushed. Yeah, we're crushing the game. I don't know. If we we nailed it. One we video. totally meant to do that. We knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you'd like to know our formula, you can pay us. Yeah. We'll give you we'll give you a, a, a top five rundown on what to do with your social media No accounts. fucking clue how that happened. Yeah. It just happened, but whatever. Um, so we should do a bottom line news. Bottom line is start talking, you asshole. Nailed it. Though. I like. The, I was just admiring the sound that you're making. We got bottom line news. We got all the top information coming at you from the music industry. I'm terrible with improving like that. Sorry, guys. Um, but you're great at soloing. Yeah, I am a good soloist, actually. I will say. Um, so <laughs> the uh, article that we picked up today was. Uh, let me just pull this up real quick. It's about Paramore, the band. It is about Paramore, the band, and how they're fighting uh, ticket scalpers and, yeah. and all that stuff, which is kind of cool. Good fight. Um, I'm, so basically what it's saying is, I don't fully understand this article, to be honest with you. Like, there's a couple it, of things here. I don't need it. You don't need it? Okay. I mean, you, you, can, you can reference it for me in case I misspeak. Yeah. I, but basically it's this, that Paramore... Uh, they came back for the first time in I think five or six years. Mm-hmm. And they were huge. I, obviously, there's a huge resurgence of emo music, and they're emo for sure. But like they're exactly that. But I'm saying like they're like way better in my opinion. Yeah, they're more. Teach their own. Emo yeah. music does is awesome as well though. But the whole point is this: is uh, they sold out everywhere, 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 and it got to the point where they uh, were like, "Well, we're gonna play L.A. and add some more shows to the end of their tour." And they're like, uh, we're tired of all these scalpers buying all these tickets. I got robbed a ticket because I was trying to buy one for my girlfriend. And they were going to go for 50 bucks. And then, you know, like that, they're sold out. And now they're $300. And there's like three or 400 of them. Yeah. Fuck you, scalpers. Anybody who has those tickets and that's selling for that, like, go fuck yourself, seriously. But what she's doing now is uh, she's making, uh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say she. Paramore is making. Uh, every ticket that will allow you to come in, you have to get this uh, also certain uh, like 
app or something. I don't know exactly what it is. It's through Ticketmaster and Live Nation. It is through Ticketmaster yeah. and Live Nation. So it and again, like Ticketmaster is the devil as well. But they well, well it is. Come on. I disagree. Okay, but go ahead. well you're the only musician who does, thinks that. But they are uh uh they're getting uh uh the only way they're gonna be able to get to the show is if you buy this special pass that you can only get from Ticketmaster. You can't get from a reseller, from a scalper. Right. So uh, it's it's hindering scalpers from existing, basically. I'm curious, does it allow the artist to kind of like double dip, though? I can see how that's a thing. I'm not even mad no, about that. No, no, without, just... without a doubt, you could definitely do that, but then you're, you're a dickhead. Like... Here's the question. Where does that money go? Right, that's what I'm saying. Ticketmaster. Well, I guarantee you I, at least 80% goes yeah, to Ticketmaster. Yeah, 100 Yeah, 100%. I'm sure they're taking their Ticket cut of it, but they also Ticket came Master, up with... Ticketmaster sucks. What are you no, talking they, about, man? Stop. There's a whole thing we can go into if okay, you want. Okay, sure. But, but uh, uh, Louis C.K. has a great story about his dealings with Ticketmaster. Yeah, he doesn't use them. No, he, but only because of... It doesn't matter. So anyways, the... the uh, I think Ticketmaster definitely takes their cut. I'm sure they split something with the artists as well. But if if they're, if they're creating like the plat, if they're giving it the platform uh, or creating the atmosphere where that kind of dichotomy can exist, where scalpers can't charge extra, then why shouldn't they? No, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm totally extra, on the side you know with I mean? this. People like, are I, reselling through the platform, but people are getting a little bit mad because they've already bought the tickets through Ticketmaster at one price, and now uh, Paramore is adding on that little special thing, so they have to pay for more for more of it. They should get rid of that. Yeah, you should be able to be to somehow. I don't know. They're not NFTs. Tickets aren't, but. Now that I thought about well, it, they, I probably, see, they probably could be. What is the thing that they're that they're kind of adding on? It's like a, it's like a, it's 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 some sort of way to to tell whether or not you bought this from Ticketmaster or if you bought this off of a scalper. And if you bought it off of a scalper, they're not letting you in unless you have that extra little uh, thing that you purchase. I'm not sure how much it was. Yeah, they don't say how much it is. But, it, but what if what if you buy normal resale from like anybody? Like what if I bought a ticket? I was like, hey, you want a ticket? The transaction has to be done through Ticketmaster. So and, like, and there, there's there's a bunch oh, of information okay. attached to the ticket, and then you'll go into ticket. We had to do, I had to do this recently with a show um, where uh, a friend of mine bought tickets, or sorry, my girlfriend works at a at, at the UNF, or sorry, at the Florida Theater here, and uh, she was offered free tickets to a show, but in order for her to get the tickets, you had to, she had to go in. Uh, to take Ticketmaster and change all of the information on the ticket, and then there had to be like a proof of purchase, even though she didn't have to purchase them. There's still a proof of purchase from the original purchaser, so that way you could at least like show that you purchased it from the purchaser and your name is attached to it through Ticketmaster. Yeah, the so more, it's a whole thing. The more that I think about it, though, it seems like it's just like an extra step that it doesn't matter it does like, because you can't sell it more from what the re, for, than than what the designated resale value why not, is though because what if you you buy it and you get that proof of purchase from Ticketmaster and then you just sell it for three hundred dollars like I, I i don't i don't understand the whole article in itself how it's supposed to that's stop what I'm anything well, well, unless that proof of purchase is like a thousand dollars or something that you get back at the end or something i don't it, know you know that's that's why it needs to move toward nft yeah like you mentioned, because if, if each attendee of an event has to just build, let's say, let's say Ticketmaster does it, which I hope they don't. I hope someone just completely beats them out 
to this, but I'm sure they're working on it. Let's say each person has to create an individual wallet. When they get a ticket, they get an NFT. So it's in the blockchain and it's only in your wallet. And like you would have to transfer it to someone else's wallet. So then you have like security there. Um, And then also similar to some things we discussed, you know, let's say uh, I go to Halloween. Let's say they do a Halloween one. Who's to say that NFT won't rise in price? Right. Yeah. There's after the event, you're going to be like, Hey, I have the NFT, the 2023 NFT Halloween ticket for like, I got it for 200 and it still keeps that value because, you know, like someone in the future might want to say like, here's my, you know, it's like if someone had a Woodstock NFT ticket, they would want to, you know, they're worth money. So, yeah, I think it's definitely yeah. moving in that direction. It's already kind of functioning in the same capacity right now where the ticket has all this information attached to it yeah. that's unique to and it that, alone. It has, and, to, it has to come down to this. Either, either you get a refund from the ticket and then you can, that they sell it to another person uh, or like you have to be in person to buy it. Like that's it. And you can only buy one at a time. Because yeah. imagine if they did this. I'm just thinking about this right now. What if what if like some crazy evil millionaire or whatever like that, probably billionaire at this point because millionaires don't get shit done. But I was going to say buy this, like all of the plane tickets in America for Thanksgiving weekend. Like just has that kind of, you know, walking around money. And then it's like, it's double now. Well, I think <laughs> like, that's insane. No. You can't, you can't do that because it's in your name and you have to show your stuff. You can't yep. sell an airplane ticket. Right. But I think that, I think that Ticketmaster and the artists are working together to kind of limit what the resale value is of those but, tickets. But it's, it's in such bad business for Ticketmaster to do that. Why? Because why does it matter to them? They want them to sell out as soon as possible. So they, don't they, don't they own StubHub? Yeah. Which is, so they're already doing yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And they don't really, they don't care at all. StubHub. Ticketmaster could be the scalper it's, at this I, point. I, you I, have no idea. I, I think it's kind of. In, I bet they I, are. I think it's kind of in. Yeah, I mean, kind of. The devil, I, I think it's dude. inconsequential the to them. I think that the artist is like, well, why are our fans having to pay triple the amount to come and it's see us the, play? Exactly. So the, the artist, artist is like, hey, 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 Ticketmaster, can you strike a deal here? And Ticketmaster's like, yeah, it makes no difference to us. If someone buys a ticket and scalps it for 300 bucks, we see none of that profit. Well, so- why not just mitigate that and just say, hey, we're going to go ahead and do it through our systems. If you want to resell it, uh, you have to literally do it through our system. And you can't resell it for any more than this amount. And Ticketmaster's like, and we can make an extra cut off of that. And the artist makes more money off of it. It's a win-win for everybody. It's, I don't see why it's, it's a problem. No, it's a win for Ticketmaster. Yeah. And for the artist. And then somehow, no, somehow it will be a lose for the artist. Why? And for why do you think that? Because they somehow, it takes so because much at the end of the day, they've been doing this. They've been running ticket sales and they've allowed scalpers to persist. Tipper does uh, a similar thing working with Ticketmaster, like Tipper's team, where you as a fan sign up for uh, a fan email. Yeah. Okay. So like, then you get a code that you have to have like, Per person, you get one code, and that code can only gain you entry to get like two tickets. Yeah, right. So it's like there are ways to do it. They do it. that with They're a lot of Spotify it. artists. Like that's how I got They're my Thundercat ticket so early and everything like that before it sold out. They're just trying to make it so 
you have to pay extra to them yep. for security, yeah. which they should already be offered. And, well, yeah, yeah. It, was, it sounds like it was definitely an artist initiative, though. I'm sure Ticketmaster didn't care either way. But Ticketmaster, but the artist approached them and was like, hey, let's strike a deal to help our fans out. And Ticketmaster's like, yeah, as long as we can still make money on the back end. That's otherwise, exactly, we're that's cutting exactly into our what problem. happened. Okay, but it's still, when I, I, I actually see it as, a, we can all agree, disagree here, but I see it as a win-win for yeah. everybody. No, yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the artist does win and then Ticketmaster does win. And then we win too because we, we don't have to pay triple and the, the artist. amount to go see our artist. It's like but Michael should, Scott, it's a win-win-win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would just argue that we should already be granted that security somehow through their system. And they have proven time and time again that they don't actually care about that oh. by being the owner of StubHub. And I could be wrong. Sorry, Ticketmaster, if I'm wrong. Um, but it, if I'm right that they own StubHub, they've allowed this to persist. They have no totally. limiting. You know, they have no limiting. And I told someone about two weeks ago that my biggest nightmare is the day when Disney buys out Ticketmaster yeah. and then they own every single form of entertainment in the world. That's true, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely going to happen. Yeah, at some point. And then you just have your magic band and your fingerprint yeah. to go see a show. You have to go tap in and thumbprint in to get into the show. And I think that, please... I'm praying that Disney, like no Disney exec, listens to your podcast because they're always. This listening. is a nightmare, bro. They, they, there's know. if you think this conversation is not already happening, yeah. then you know what I mean. Like, like the like li, the the thing is, is that Live Nation has already who owns Ticketmaster, and then Ticketmaster subsequently owns uh, StubHub and all that. Like, if you like, Live Nation is already buying out venues. Yeah. Right, so that they can keep. Oh, they own they, every they own venue. All the venues that you want to play at in every major city, yep. they own them. So they're keeping it all in house. If you think that they're not thinking about the next step, where obviously Disney and and, and all that's going to get. I mean, it's already. If we if you just brought it up right now, they've been talking about it for probably a couple <laughs> of years already. It's probably been on the table for a while. Yeah, definitely the, the, yeah. the chip in your skin situation. Yeah, they've yeah. been talking about that since you know dawn of time. But uh, anyways, I think that, that was a great article. That was actually Billy's pick this week. That was a great article. I, and honestly, because I'm fucking pissed that I don't get to see Paramore. And the tickets were like $40 at St. Augustine. Yeah. So cool. Now they're $300 a pop. Yeah. It's kind of lame. Maybe I'll go but, see them. All right. So uh, we'll put a bow on that section now. And Quit then, saying that. That's well, weird. I got to let Jason know that we're ending the segments. You can, oh, my God. <laughs> um, and then uh, so... Unpopular opinions now. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this can be about whatever you want. Uh, literally, it okay. can be oh. music related, non music related. But uh, uh, we'll do Billy first. Yeah. Me, and then we'll save you for last. I'm a. Okay. I'm, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. I didn't say Bill, but bottom of the barrel. Uh, coming up with opinions because I've had so many of them at this point. But this one is I like this a lot. Uh, Harry Potter is Christmas. Harry Potter is Christmas. Harry Potter is Christmas. I don't get it. Every, everything about Harry Potter, it's just Christmas. It's definitely not Halloween, though. Oh, okay. I don't know what that means. Come on. Where, I didn't where's watch your Harry yes Potter. and? Where's your improv or anything like that? You're just like, oh, no. Well, I, just, I, I didn't oh, watch no. Harry Potter. I didn't read the books either. Oh, you weren't allowed as a kid? Me no, neither. No, I, I just, wasn't either. I still did, though. I just didn't care about, I'm not a big fantasy guy. 
Okay, so what? So now, what's yours? How is that unpopular? Like, yeah. What about it? Who Who would argue that that's unpopular? You're just the worst. Yeah. <laughs> you're just so bad at this. What I mean, I I don't know what you're trying to say. I'm trying to say that like when you think of Harry Potter, it's like, uh, you know, a uh, like Halloween because it's all witch, witches and wizards and stuff. But it's not. It's Christmas. Okay. Yeah. So Lati-da. can we elaborate? Every single Harry Potter book and movie has Christmas in it. It snows all the time. It's always Christmas time in every one of those movies. So Harry Potter, I guess what I should say is Harry Potter is a Christmas movie. Oh, okay. Does that help your brain? I mean, they play it at Christmas time yeah. every single year. That's what year. I'm saying. Harry Potter's, and I'm just trying to say Harry Potter. So therefore, it's a it's, popular opinion. Thank you. Oh, so it's a popular opinion. No, because a lot of people would be like, no, it's not Christmas. It's Harry Potter. It's like, at least it's Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. That's all the blowback no, I get all, all the time. Got, Noah says that they play it every Christmas, which means that they it's They play a, it nonstop. Harry Potter is everything. They don't play it at Halloween. I, I, I don't believe that. It's like... I'm pretty confident. Okay, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I love I love this though. Uh, but come on, uh, cr- shit. Chris can't. Chris pulled it up on on our end here. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so it's all right, if you can't see, you know, it says while none of the Harry Potter movies is technically considered a Christmas fan- film, there are so many loyal fans who throw them on whenever the holidays come around. Okay, so there, it's literally a popular opinion. Yeah, uh, about fifty five point five million. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty popular Look, I don't opinion. look up my opinions if they're unpopular. Well, or not. You know what? You know what? I I'm just thankful that you had an opinion this time. A lot of times Billy just denies facts and then that's what his opinion <laughs> is and that doesn't uh uh I mean it bodes well. It's always entertaining, but it's not an unpopular opinion. Yeah, but you just like laid there like my ex-girlfriend, bro. I'm sorry that I didn't pick up on the on the on the on the, on the yes and that was there my you bad. Go. Yeah, God forbid. You're, you're right. I'm I'm not. I'm still working on my improv. Guys, We're flailing in the water and you're you would not lend a hand. I just I didn't know what you were trying to say. That was my bad. Phil Collins. Uh, <laughs> so uh, okay, my next unpo- my unpopular opinion is that I don't think that anybody actually knows how to play pinball. Tommy does. Yes, he's the pinball wizard. That's it. Yeah. But he was deaf, dumb, and blind, so... Yeah, he still played a mean pinball. There's a yes and, kids, we're talking about. That's because, uh, yeah, Improv King over here. Yeah, Let's you go. are. You're very good at that. You're quick. I'm not. I was just... Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I can't think of anybody who's good at pinball, so like, you might be right, too. What do you think, Two Noah? popular opinions. Popular there, opinions. There are definitely <laughs> pinball players out there. Um, yes, but I don't think they actually know what they're doing. I think that they just get lucky and they're just mashing buttons, and it's just like, oh, you know what I mean? They're getting high scores. I think, I think people that can like really slow down their vision and can like, I don't know, like understand the the physics of what's going on with the pinball could know what they're doing. But I I have no clue what I'm doing. I just hit it. Yeah, I'm just I'm a button masher through and through. Unless we're playing like. I don't know Mortal Kombat, like back on Sega Genesis or something. I'm just or or, or, or Smash, Smash Brothers, Brothers because, because you can't I will do that fucking either. take you, bro. I swear to God. Dude, let's play again. And we're gonna if fucking do it. Do you, I'll do you watch you, do you lose play again. Smash Bros at all? No, have you played it all? No, but when I do, I just like tap. Are you a button masher <laughs> on that too? Yeah. So I'm is horrible. Anton. No, I'm. Oh my God, it's so frustrating. <laughs> I will literally will set the N64 up right unpopular, now. We'll do it here's on a good unpopular opinion. Anton's greatest Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> That's literally. Just another denial of facts. I, I'm no, no. It's it's true. I am really good at the game. It's it's a fact. But either way, yeah, I I think that uh, no one actually knows how to play pinball, and that's my, that's my thing. And these opinions are 
Just hit him out of the park on this episode. I mean, you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. trying to think of what one you got, now. Noah. I mean, can oh anyone debate God. that? Chris, do you know how to play pinball? What's pinball? Exactly. <laughs> Isn't the like the pinball museum in Asheville like that? They, they invented it in North Carolina. I, yeah, I those guys didn't know what the fuck they were doing either. And you know what? That, well, okay. Go well, no, well, go ahead, go to Chris. It's the Moog Museum. There's, There's also a pinball museum too. I, okay. I promise you, there is. Yeah. Well. Great. What do you got, Noah? Um. You know, I I had one. Oh, I guess. All right. I mean, it's pretty basic and it's music related. I, I swear I to God, if you say the Beatles are overrated, you'll be the fifth person to have said that, and and it's it's let becoming more man, popular. No. Let the man. Okay, talk. sorry, I just had to say that. No, so I guess it's so niche, so I really don't want to bring it up, but um, I think that Psytrance should become popular in the U.S. I don't know if either of you are into Psytrance. I don't know. What's like a what's the most famous Psytrance? Oh wow, you stumped Billy on electronic music. That's great. Um, I I can't even say I would know who the. Oh, I guess. Um, oh, what's there? Hold on. So uh, my mind, I'm like Spongle. Do you mean Spongle is Psytrance? Spongle makes Psytrance, but there's yeah. one that's All right. like. Boom, suck it. In- infected, infected, <laughs> infected mushroom, mushroom oh, is yeah, fucking awesome yeah. as shit, dude. What do you mean? So they're not, think, oh yeah, I guess they're not big in uh, America. No, it's not big here. They're they're from uh, Spain, dr- right? Uh, Something like that. They got a lot of Spanish see. lyrics in their music. I'm on Spotify right now. But anyways, yeah, Israel, Israel. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, it's really pro- popular in Israel. Okay. Um, but yeah, like drum and bass took a while to like become popular here and. You know, if you go to Ultra and, like, some of the more mainstream, like, you'll see Infected Mushroom and whatnot. Um, But when you're talking about, like, dedicated fan bases in the U.S. for EDM, nobody dives into this. It's, like, really just only in Europe. And I think it's really, really good and psychedelic and takes you on a journey. So, uh, yeah, that's my unpopular opinion. I, but I wish I had a better one. Like so do, I so think, do all of us, I guess. <laughs> I, I think I think I have one. Like I feel like most of mine would be insulting to someone out there. It's that's the but point. But I feel like Yeah, but like two I don't wanna get on this. <laughs> the wrong side of some people. Don't worry. But man. yeah. Or I guess EDC isn't that good of an EDM festival. Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Is it like I remember when they were? I don't know if it's still there, but it's just in a parking lot, right? Yeah, it's just on the side of the Camping World Stadium. Yeah, in Orlando. like fuck that. Nice. That's not a. F- I mean, like festival, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I've never been before, so I mean, oh, I don't know, sure. but what so- you got? Rap, rap festivals are are some of the like stupidest things Ooh. you could ever go to in your life. Um. <laughs> I've never been to a hip hop festival, but I I would I you know I've you didn't go to Orange Crush last year. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of uh, I, I'm a huge hip hop fan, but I'm not a big fan of like live uh, yes. rappers. And to me, the music doesn't translate as well. And I know it's kind of like like contrary to what a lot to where like the whole art came from. It's emceeing and it's you know like, like the whole thing is about live performance and everything. But I to me it like like. I'm somebody who's very into lyrics, like a lot of conscious hip hop, and I feel like a lot of that gets lost in translation. And then as far as like uh, like in, in a live setting anyways, 
but then there's like the festivals that happen where it's a lot of like pop rappers and that kind of thing yeah and that to me a lot of stuff is is just hot garbage in general so yeah like rolling loud is literally yeah. just like tracks playing and it's like oh yeah yeah it's a lot of hype yeah, yeah. it's the whole thing it's mc yeah but what's right? the it's point like, like just go listen at home at that rate yeah i agree I, you know i agree i did see macklemore at uh at camp bisco of all places it was when he was did that that thrift store song or whatever yeah and he had the Can we go thrift shop he had the weirdest hype man he had two hype men one of them was wearing this uh blue suit and was like on the on, that was a normal hype man i was on the mic or whatever but this other guy was this really skinny dude and like a white overalls or whatever and was just hitting this crash symbol on a stick all the time really that was the was it ryan lewis i don't know his producer maybe i don't know probably what I'll do the research and message you. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought thought that was a weird show. And it was at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It just didn't make any sense at all. Yeah. He has has some good stuff, though, for sure. No, he really does. I watched a video on uh, his entire history musically. You don't really notice how many bangers he put out. And his rapping skills are pretty great. He has a video on KEXP right now that... It's like, wow, you're really talented. Go with that. Macklemore is really great. That's your unpopular opinion. Oh, my God. There we go. <laughs> wow. There we go. I have four. That is. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Be- averaged out. All right. What do you got? Before we go, by the way, I want to apologize to who edits it. Chris. Uh, to Chris. Primarily. Chris. Hey, man. For my cat who has been, like, rubbing his face on, oh, like, no. my desk to get food he and meowing to get food um and also for uh the fact that i'm sick so i'm sure i'm not breathing the quietest i will say we've had uh much louder interruptions yeah so um yeah. So you're doing this is actually great, pretty man. good you're doing yeah great this is not I, bad at all i actually didn't notice any interruptions at all no, i didn't hear a cat at all or wait, anything, wait, so. whatever if you're a fan of cats then you'll love Bottom of the bill. Yeah. Specifically this episode. We'll fix yeah, raise the volume of the cat, please. Yeah. Cat ASMR. Yeah. <laughs> um, Noah, thanks for coming on, man. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. Thank you so much, guys. Can't it's wait to meet you, man. Let us know when you're in Jack's, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah, I should be I'll I'll plan a trip and I'll let you guys know. Right, please man. do. All right, man. Well, good luck Adios. with anything. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Peace. Peace, man. Adios, man. Chachos. Mm-hmm.